Hey folks, welcome to episode 55 of the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. I'm your host, James Jenkins, and this is the shortest intro in our history because this is the longest episode in our history, but I have a really good excuse for that. We have not one guest, not two, not three, not four, dare I say it, we have five guests for this episode. It is our Power Ladies panel. I have gathered uh, five top shelf agency principals from across the country uh, who are of the female persuasion, and we get all the way in uh, to lots of topics related uh, to their experiences. So we're going to jump right into the bumper and get started. Uh, You guys know what to do with the whole subscribe, leave a review, and invite people to listen thing. Uh, We are on a roll here in our second season, and it just keeps getting better. Welcome to episode 55 with the Power Ladies panel. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. There are two kinds of people in the insurance industry. Those who are captive and those who are free. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Captivity can go far beyond the companies you represent. It starts between your ears and its impact is felt in every corner of your business. We're all about helping agency principals and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your freedom. If your goals are big enough, you're gonna have to get uncomfortable to be able to reach them. Our team at RiskWell is living this out every single day. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and everything I learn along the way. We deliver relevant, tactical, and actionable content from industry peers, innovative partners, and a variety of leaders from other business verticals. We're not holding anything back. There's no upsell, no guru pitch, and no fluff. It's time to unshackle yourself from captivity and make your freedom jump with the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. Hey, folks, welcome to episode 55. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. And man, you all are in for a treat, or should I say, woman, you all are in for a treat because we have a power panel of insurance professionals of the female persuasion in this episode today. Uh, We had six uh, that were invited and two couldn't make it, but uh, four are here for your uh, enjoyment, your enrichment. Um, I'm just going to let everybody uh, go around the horn real quick and introduce yourselves, who you are, where are you from, and very simply, uh, what do you love? Like, What's one thing that you just love about your career in this industry. So uh, I'm just going to go in clockwise order here. So our guest for this episode, uh, Vonda Copeland, Ciara Gravier. I called you Gravier on the last one. I was just like, she's not French. Why did I do that? Ciara Gravier, uh, Teresa Kitchens and Whitney Ricci. Did I say your last name right? It's not Ricci. Okay. It's Ricci. Is, is it Ricci? Okay. Gosh, there we go again, trying to like put some <laughs> ethnic spin on a last name that doesn't need to be there. So you're awesome. Well, if, it, if we were in Italy, it would be Ricci. Oh, so. Ricci. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Okay. You got to say it with the hand. They can't see us on the podcast. But yeah. All of our hands. Yeah. Are you can't, up. All of our hands are up right now with the two fingers <laughs> and the thumb, right? Ricci. There you go. So, Vonda, kick us off. Who are you? Where are you? And what do you love about what you do? 
I'm Vonda Copeland. I am located in Manhattan, Kansas. And I think the biggest thing I love about my being in this industry is that I came from an industry of education. I was in education for 16 years. And when I, when I'm in the insurance industry, I just see so much, um, education being a part of it. And I love that part of it. Well, if, if you're an educator coming into the insurance world, I feel like you, you almost have like an unfair advantage from the beginning, right? Cause so much of what we I, I do agree. is, is teach people. Totally agree. Fantastic. Ciara, people know who you are at this point, but uh, go ahead and give us your intro and what do you love? So Ciara Gravier, founder and CEO of The Bunker. And, um, you know, depending on the day my dad feels French, it's Gravier. So don't worry. <laughs> but um, uh, I think that I've, I've been in different uh, roles in insurance as far as the agency side, uh, starting with my dad from a very young age. But I think that what I love right now at this point is building it from the ground up. I mean, it's hard work, but um, it's fulfilling work and it's rewarding work. And I know that I, it's going to help me live the life that I want to live when I'm retirement age. So I, I, I'm, it's a struggle, but I am enjoying it. Awesome. Teresa? My name is Teresa Kitchens. I am from right outside of Dallas in uh, Plano, Texas, Plano, Texas. And um, I have uh, the I'm principal at the Sterling Insurance Group um, and St. Beacon Insurance down in Austin. I have two locations. We just recently branched out to Colorado. So we're excited to be able to go multi-state at this point. Mm. Um, I do think that what I love about this industry is the freedom of it and um not to jump on your freedom thing now that i think about that but it's the it's the you love freedom <laughs> man you're in the right place <laughs> no 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 as soon as i said i was kind of oh, I'm not, that sounds sketchy but um no i think i got a great yes. conversation with somebody at the brain share conference that everybody can build their business a totally different way and in their own space and we can all get where we want to go with our own flavor it's like to me, it's like cooking. You can you can put whatever you want in there, and it's just going to be able to come out the way that you want it. And you get to oh, it needs a little bit of this, or it needs a little bit of that. And together, we create something beautiful and amazing that then we can still be a part of a community with. And I think that is a very special thing about the independent insurance channel. It's such a great industry, but yet we can put our own special flair on it. And I think to me, I love creating that flair every day with my team. And with the industry, and to me, that is the fun, je ne sais quoi. That's the fun part of it. Awesome. And as we're recording, we have one of our invited guests is here now. Awesome. Now, Whitney, I'll let you go, and then we'll circle back around. Okay, sounds good. Hi, I'm Whitney Ritchie, and my company is Ritchie Insurance Group. We are based in Jacksonville, Florida, and most of our business uh, is in the state of Florida. We write all over the state, a little bit in other states as well. And what I love about my job, our agency, um, the role we get to play is the relationship we have with our clients. I love the space that we get to occupy in their lives. Most of the time when we're talking with them, something really exciting is going on. They're making changes to their business or they're buying a house. And when you get to fill your day up with little moments like that where you're making an impact um, on people that's very fulfilling... And, you know, it sounds cheesy, but your days make up your weeks, make up your months and your years and your life. And when you look back and unpack all of that, there's a lot of enjoyment that's built into this career. Um, and I love getting to share that with my team. 
all of our, all of my employees are, are wired the same way. We all just really love helping people and we're blessed with some of the best clients that you could imagine. Awesome. Enjoyment really is important. You know, it's not just making money, you know, quality of life is essential. Uh, mm-hmm. Our our last guest here, and I apologize. It, names are very important to me. It, it's Ngozi Ngozi. How do I say your name correctly? You said it right the first time, Ngozi. Awesome, Ngozi Naji. Is that okay? Correct. Man, I'm two for two. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Yes. I was so nervous Wednesday. about that. I kid you not. No, Ngozi. Thank you so much for joining us. I I got all the way into your content. I was on your website and your socials. I'm like, holy crap, she has got it going on. I don't. It's you must have cloned yourself like three times to have as much yeah. content out there as you do. No, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, the three questions that we were asking just for this little intro thing: Who are you? Where are you? And what's one thing that you love about your career in the industry? Well, good afternoon. Thank you, James. Thank you, ladies, for for joining in this conversation. My name is Ngozi Anaji, and I am an agency owner sitting in Hartford, Connecticut, Greater Hartford area, hmm. um, Aco Brokerage Services, and and the I. I don't know. There's so many things I love about being an agency owner, um, but being an independent agent, I'll just tell you 20 years prior, you know, I was an underwriter. I was in large brokerage and literally quit my job to become an independent agent because of the give back. So kind of piggybacking off what Whitney said, you know, my my purpose in being an independent agent is not only to educate the black community about the tools of insurance and wealth generation and asset protection, but also to recruit. I mean, what's the best way to recruit into our industry and increase representation when you're sitting across the kitchen table and you're talking to a high school student about their possibilities? And so I look at my goal is twofold around building my my community, but also um, increasing representation and recruiting for, for our industry. Awesome. Thank you for that. And I, to be totally transparent, I specifically went to LinkedIn and said, hey, network, I want to make sure we have black representation in this female panel and shame on me. I went to my network and was like, you know, I don't know if I have a good relation. I don't really personally know anyone who fits the mold, black female agency owner for this panel. So shame on me first off. And second off, that's how I found you. Uh, Ryan Keating and two other people recommended you. And I found myself, I spent like 45 <laughs> minutes on your social. I'm just, I look up and I'm like, oh crap, I've, I've been doing this for a while. <laughs> it's like, I really well, like this lady. Yeah. She needs to be on why here. You have kids? Isn't that why you have kids, right? For them to do all your social media. <laughs> oh man, I'm telling you. <laughs> So he's just really enjoying that freedom. For, <laughs> right? uh, the freedom in his day is a 45 minute LinkedIn um, break. <laughs> you know, I, I was a little embarrassed about it, but here I am sharing it on a podcast <laughs> with thousands of monthly listeners. Uh, the format for this episode, I have a couple of open ended questions that I would love to put out, and we can popcorn this thing. I'm not going to be pointing specific questions to anybody in particular, other than we're going to have one question on you know, being both a minority and a female, uh, and just some of the intrigue, the complexity of, uh, being a minority female in your community and your subculture and where you guys are geographically, Ciara in South Florida, uh, very complex and dynamic Hispanic population in South Florida. Um, from just a variety of people, you know, different Caribbean islands and Central American countries. There's in South America too, there's there's a lot of complexity there. I'd love to 
ask a question about and for Ngozi as well just being a member of the black community as a female entrepreneur there's a couple of questions there but for the rest of the episode it really is just popcorn and I would love to have plenty of opportunity if there's a question that you guys you ladies want to discuss uh, if there's anything you're like hey I really wish he would ask this question please feel free to pop in and be like hey you know what let's go here instead for just a minute or two so I'm going to open it up and just popcorn this thing with, with starting off with what does it mean to you to be a female, to be that that expression of God's creation, of being the maternal, being the teacher, being the caregiver, you know, having those traditional female qualities um, and, and expressing that in a professional context. Uh, let's, let's just discuss this. What is the intrinsic value of femaleness in the insurance industry? What, what is it that is unique and beautiful and different about the female expression in the industry? And anybody who wants to jump in, go for it. I look at it as... We're all trying to be polite. (laughs) Yeah, I look at it as kind of, you know, the mom figure. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so much of what we do as moms that spills over in how we treat our employees, how we watch out for our employees. I think we have that that ability to see things going on in our employees that other people might miss. You know, like I said before, I, I uh, co-own our agency with my husband. So I am not just a a female principal. I'm a, a part of a pair, but when it comes to interacting with our staff, I think I interact with them much differently than he does. And then sometimes he'll say things and he's very short, very clipped, very, and it comes off rude, even though that's not how he said it. And then I may have to go back and clean it up, soften that a little bit, <laughs> and translate. Yeah, <laughs> because I think it it is a, a dynamic that that we kind of bring that mom mom. Vonda, I have a question. Do people go to you over him with problems? Do they naturally gravitate towards you? I I think it depends on the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's somebody that needs to bulldog with a customer, with a client, I think they'll split. You know, I see them going to him part of the time and me. If it's something that um, is affecting their, they feel like there's it's an issue in their personal life that's kind of bleeding into the office, I think they'll ob- absolutely come to me first. Um, financial, you know, if they have, you know, if they're struggling or something there, they'll, you know, I, I get those conversations. Um, I just, you know, I, I just see the, that, that Mm -hmm. mom empathy Mm -hmm. in there, I think is just a different way of dealing. Not that, that, you know, he's the same way when he didn't want to deal with our daughter when she was a teenager, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, and I'm not a drama person at all. I mean, if you know me at all, I'm, I'm not a, I'm the go take a smoke break and clear your head for a while. Even if you don't smoke, that was the joke of brain share, but but I still think there's that, that empathy. You know, I would say that, um, you know, and I don't think that this is necessarily being female, but being a literal mom <laughs> and having children g- just gives a perspective of when you want to have a family first corporate culture um, to truly understand what it's like to have been in the trenches like that, to, to be able to relate to employees like that um, on that specific thing. 
Um, really, I don't think that my femininity is a is a major factor in how I run the agency. If I was to pick some like specific examples, that would be one um, of like where it comes up. Um, on the positive side, from a recruiting standpoint, we have a lot of young women that come in for interviews and say that they're here because they want to work for me because they want to work for a strong woman, and that you know that feels really good. That's in the positive. Um, on the negative side, there have been many times um, in in my professional career as an agency owner where I get that. And what do you do? Um, what is your role around here? Uh, where there's you know an assumption made that I'm not the owner. Uh, I joke though now, a good way to fix that is to rebrand your agency after yourself <laughs> and sit in a big ass office and then nobody questions <laughs> <laughs> that anymore. Since I did those two things, it's been very clear. You need to have a giant picture of yourself sitting in a leather back chair, like holding bourbon and smoking a cigar being like, this is my office. <laughs> like right inside the front door. Like you cannot yeah. avoid the eight foot portrait of Whitney. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I have a predominantly female staff. And um, when people hear that, sometimes they're like, oh my gosh, there's this quick assumption. That, oh my gosh, you guys must have so much drama or something. And I'm like, are you kidding? Like seriously, like you're you're joking me, right? Like these are all professional, intelligent women. We have virtually no drama. Um, we have kind people that are working here, whether they're male or female. If they're going to get a seat on our bus, they're not going to be, you know, that kind of a person. Um, so I, I actually find that kind, those kinds of assumptions, pretty insulting. Um, being that I live in that, and it's you know couldn't be farther from from the truth. I'll go. I mean, for for me, it's um, I, running a smaller agency and it's myself and um, Guillermo and my dad works with me part time, but I've always worked with my dad. So uh, I was always the, you know, CSR at processing the certificates, handling the payments, doing all that stuff. And I was putting out the fires within the agencies, like with the other employees, they would come to me first. But now that I'm in this role of being the owner, you know, now it's, I haven't had any issues. And like I said, I mean, it's one, I have one employee who's a male and my brand is pretty male. I would say it's not bold. really, yeah, bold. I wouldn't say that. Um, and I, and I did that a little bit intentionally because we're, we're predominantly, well, all we do is commercial insurance. And I, I wanted to kind of, um, psych people out with that. Right. I didn't want them to think I was soft. So I come in a little bold uh, purposely, but um, I think that for myself, not being a mom, right, I feel like that's kind of like a disconnect that I have even with, you know, having an employee. I don't have the maternal instinct per se. So I feel like that's going to be a challenge for me as I grow, trying to be a little more uh, maternal, I would say. <laughs> but I think as a, as a female, we are, um, like, if you look at a lot of male-owned agencies, they do have a female counterpart as a, say, agency manager or a person who is kind of that person, even if it's just like a, a, a strong woman in the office who is that kind of go-to for advice, maybe, oh, and then it's like, okay, no, you need to go to talk to the owner kind of thing, maybe a gateway. And I feel like a lot of men have that balance because they 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 do bring in that that mixture. And I think, Ciara, one thing that I love about you is you do work with your dad. You kind of came up through that, but now you kind of come into that owner 
ownership on your on your end, but you were also brought up underneath a strong man who let you really bring out your wings and fly and and really just you know really stretch them and i think that's what vonda's husband does too is just really helped and i love that partnership of the male female you know yin and yang and and i think that um even as women who have a lot of women in their office because i have mainly women um i love a strong woman to come beside me so i don't have to carry that 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 um empathetic side. I think, I think for me, there's, it's a, it's an empathy thing that I feel like I have towards my team of being a woman um, agency owner is that I, I want to hear, I want to understand my team. I don't want to just take a stretch suit in front of us and say, these are our numbers and this is what we're doing, you know? And, and I think sometimes that gets also misinterpreted as the fact that I'm soft and I have to make sure that I come in strong and I need to make sure that I come in as, um, as, as relatable and real, but also as um, I've had to learn how to be more definitive in my speech and say, no, we're not doing that. Rather than I used to be much more like, well, um, we could like maybe think about that. And, um, you know, and I've had to learn to kind of step into my power in that. But I think, you know, as a woman in the industry, you learn to be stronger in certain communities and certain conversations. And when you do, that's when you really stretch your wings and you learn how to fly and you just become a woman of, of, of influence at that time, whether or not it's in your, your community or the industry as a whole. Yeah. And, and I'll just add to that. I mean, I think a female agency owner is the best of both worlds. I mean, yeah. quite frankly, right. I mean, so, you know, we have the strength, the, the influence the power, you know, all the comments that were made before to run an agency, right? Because it does take, you know, some know-how, some some understanding of the business, right? Some, to your point around just being definitive in decisions, like it takes all of that. But, you know, the beauty of being a woman is that we have a whole nother side of us that we can share as well, right? And so being able, I think the challenge is being able to, and I think, Teresa, this is what you're alluding to, being able to, um, you know, share, you know, what side do you share when, right? Um, and, and making sure, one, that you're respected in, in, in the sense that you are an agency owner and you have this role, but also being thought, you know, thought of as being someone who can be, you know, um, empathetic and, and, and you can share thoughts with and, and be personable, right? And I think um, for us, like, I, I think that's, you know, it's, it, women are the future, right? We already know that. Um, and so when we think about the future of the insurance industry, it, we own it um, and, and can't be denied that. And so I think it's it's the opportunity to show the world that we have it all, the resilience, the power, the influence, the, the you know, um, the sensitivity, right, that's needed, right? When we talk about certain topics, you know, I remember just to kind of give an example, a client where, you know, they they were very, you know, hesitant to talk about their financial situation with just anyone, right? I mean, insurance is part of your financial portfolio, whether you're a business owner or you're an individual. And I think as a woman, I was able to use that sensitivity and being able to be personable in that respect to make them feel comfortable, right? And make them feel like it's okay. Like we're, we're, I'm, I'm in, in this this with you and I'm helping helping you to achieve better heights around your wealth generation and, and asset protection. And so again, if I didn't say it before, we, we, we own the insurance industry because we're able to 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 share both sides of who we are from a skill set and personality perspective um, and really shine. The question, the issue is that we're not always given the opportunity to do so, um, even though we have the skill set to do so. 
No. I'm sorry, Jim, James. Are you, are you still here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, whose podcast is I, I, I hit the wrong button, by the way. I didn't mean hit the no button. I meant to hit this button. And saying that is a yeah. perfect segue, perfect segue into what was already going to be my next question. So thank you, Ngozi, for that. Uh, you said it right there at the end of, of your, your comment, and it is that invitation to the party. Uh, mm-hmm. I would love to get your take on how do we improve the uh, the statistics here? Because if you look at uh, the CSR uh, profile in the industry, whether captive, whether independent, doesn't really matter. If you you go to a hundred agencies, who's sitting at the desk talking to the client? There's going to be most statistically there's a male producer and there's a female CSR. It is very very strong statistics in that direction. But then we go to, you know, female sales professional, the producer role, very few female for producers, very few female, well, few, not very few, but a lot less than there should be uh, as a as a slice of the pie, female agency principals, either a, a minority owner at percentage basis or exclusive owner. Uh, how do we improve this in the industry? How do we invite uh, young women and 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 Gozi said it. High schoolers, you know, interns in college, you know, people that are in a related industry, whether through recruiting, through uh, talking to someone who's currently a CSR and saying, "Have you ever considered uh, management? Have you ever considered an administrative role? You know, something that moves you on a path towards an executive function or ownership someday." How do we move things in a positive direction? And one, get better representation, invite more voices to the party. But how do we get more women those opportunities to flex their talents and move into an executive role or ownership? I think, you know, just personally, if, if the group doesn't mind me starting off, but I think first it is the representation piece. So kudos to you for putting together this panel, because I think our industry needs to see not only here, but see that we exist right? That there are women owners out here and, and we're doing the damn thing, right? Like we're, we're owning agencies and, and writing business and getting profit sharing checks <laughs> in the whole night, right? Um, we're doing all that. So I think representation matters. Um, and I think Whitney mentioned kind of the, the opportunity for us to, you know, pull more women along as we move up. And, I, and, and, and you know, we talk about that all the time, but we often just talk about it and not actually do it, right? And and put women in positions that, you know, if we're the owners, if we're not only at the party, we're DJing the party because it is our party, right? That we're making sure that, you know, we have event planners that are women, like, you know, putting them in all these different opportunities if we own it, right? So I love to hear that some of these agencies that are represented today are majority women employed because that's huge, right? Because those employees see an agency owner that looks like them, that's like them, can inspire to be that um, and, and know that they can achieve it. But I also, you know, one last thought here is that, you know, when we talk about representation, right, we also need to talk about kind of keeping women in our industry um, and making sure that, you know, and it, this goes for many of our diverse populations that are out there. How do we keep them, right? How do we show them that insurance is the place to be? The insurance industry has historically done a bad job of advocating for itself, 
right? Like when you hear most about most insurance professionals, whether they're on the distribution or company side, oh, I just fell into it, da, 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 da. Like what college student wants to be a part of an industry that you just like are so excited about, right? Not, they're not, they don't want that. So I love Jake, the agent, right? Like State Farm agent, because he's doing it, right? He's hanging out with all these NFL players and NBA players. Like those are the images that our, our students need to see, our aspiring agency owners need to see. And the last comment I will make, you don't need to be a, have a college degree to be an agent. I mean, let's be honest. Like my son is at LSU. And the first thing I told him in his freshman year is that you're going to get an, a producer license before you graduate and get a degree, like license before a degree. <laughs> that's what we're doing, right? Because I think that's important because it's my belief, and this is getting a little bit off track, but I think it goes back to the opportunities that we present for women, is that when we started to focus on education as the basis in which we brought individuals into our industry, that's when the gap became bigger, right? That's when we started to have this 500,000 different positions that were going to be coming up um, that need to be filled over the next 10 years, right? But when we focus on the fact that we had skill set, we had legacy, right? We had, you know, generations coming forward. And, and regardless of whether you had a college degree or not, you just needed to show some some desire, right, to, to have a career, we brought them in, right? They could be going to a trade school. They could be going coming out of high school. Maybe they didn't even have a high school, you know, degree or a graduation degree or whatever, but we just brought them in because they had a certain skill set, right, that we were looking for. I think we need to go back to that. When I think about veterans, right, when I think about a lot of my, my colleagues who are, you know, stay-at-home moms that are looking for second careers, right, who have kind of done, their kids are grown and they're looking for something to do, or, you know, people who are just, you know, second careers, right? They were in accounting, accounting's not working for them, but guess what? Insurance industry can will more than accept you. So I know there's a couple different things, but again, my last point is that we just have need a different image, right? We need to put more women on billboards in front of, you know, students, in front of, you know, potential recruits and, and show them that we exist. I think, it's I think a, you have to have a, a concerted effort to do that. It doesn't just happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a couple of years ago, I myself realized that I wasn't really doing much to do to, to promote that side of it. Um, So I've been trying to make more of an effort of working with some of our uh, student entrepreneurship groups um, and and getting into those areas, trying to do some things with our local uh, trade schools, you know, if they're going in for uh, you know, clerical or bookkeeping or something like that as a trade school, those are, are great opportunities to bring somebody in as an entry-level um, employee for start them out as a CSR. Um, some people just, they have the, they have the skill set. They just don't have the opportunity. Like, like she's re- referring to, they don't have anybody that's going to guide them into that area. Uh, but we've got to talk the talk every time we go out. Yesterday I had lunch with, um, our chamber group splits up into groups every year and, and pairs you up with, you know, 10 to 12 other, other women to, uh, uh, it's our women in business group. We, we do lunch bunches every year, every 12 months it rolls over and you get a new bunch. Um, yesterday, uh, sat down and she looks at my shirt. She's like, Oh God, I hate insurance. And I'm like, well, tell me why, what's been your experience? Well, you know, it's, it's just, bad, you know, relationships with their agent that they have. And she says, you know, how can you stand to do that day after day after day? And I'm like, oh, I, I love what I do. 
I said, this is what I get to do every day. And it's different every day. It's not the same thing. It's, you know, today I got to do this. And then tomorrow I, you know, I'm planning on doing this. And, and today, and Monday, I took the day off and worked cattle all day uh, with my husband, you know, and then I went to work at five o'clock when everybody else was going home. So, you know, um, and so I, I was, and she's like, you know, I never really thought about that. And the lady next to me, sitting next to me, it was hilarious. She works at a bank and she's like, yeah, I just have a really boring job. And <laughs> But it's those kinds of conversations. I was cracking up um, because she has, she's been in banking for, for many, many, probably 20 years. And, and she's got a good position at her bank, but she, she was like, yeah, I do the same thing every day and it's really boring. And I, I just was like, wow, you know, that was a great opportunity that we just need to make more of those opportunities happen where we're talking about why we love doing what we're doing. You will never have a boring day in this industry if you were doing it right. <laughs> That's what <laughs> I was thinking, Whitney. So true. You know, I can't remember the last time I had a boring. When you get home, it's like, well, nothing happened today. <laughs> no. It was yeah, really, no, that, that it was pretty happens. uneventful. Nothing yeah. went down. I was, like, well, I, I was late because I had a client who called. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, clients first. <laughs> But I think that's part of it, right? Is that we're not just going home and just taking what we've done in our day and just letting it end at the door, right? We're going out into the community. It's being excited in the community, right? Like we talk about the Jake from State Farm, right? And then he's hanging out with football players and he's in all the cool swanky places looking at shoes and buying cool shoes, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, buying shoes from, you know, from football good and stars, which <laughs> would never happen in real life. But the reality is, is that we need to be ambassadors in into the community and into every part of the community. And that's in what we say, what we do, the excitement we bring when we check out for lunch down the street, you know, and people know where, you know, we have a, we have Olive Burger right down the, the street, right down in the same little section as me. I walk down there and people know me because I come on in and I get my little Euro mm -hmm. and from the Olive Burger and, you know, and being able to be excited, being able to have, you know, if we come in every day and we go to, you know, a restaurant or we go to do something, right? We get gas and that attendant comes, sees us come in and we got, you know, we got that whole exhausted look on our face. We're just grumpy, mumpy people, right? And they know who we are and where we go. Nobody wants to be a part of that. Nobody, whether or not it's on a personal level or on a professional level. So, you know, same thing whenever we are representing out there with clients, same thing when we're representing out there with just other spaces, whether or not we're going to a networking event, whether or not we're going to a business event um, inside of our own industry. I know a couple of us have been on podcasts or have podcasts, but it's also the ability to be able to take the mission and the vision out into the world, you know, on your LinkedIn post about women in the insurance space. But then also it comes down to sitting at our desks. Do we encourage the women around us, whether or not it's me having a conversation with Ciara, right? And me saying, like I had, I had Ciara on my, my, my podcast one time, we had a conversation about how she just embraced the COVID thing and went and got like, what, a million different certifications. She's like, I need this and I'm just gonna go pow, pow, pow. Oh my gosh, my daughter literally called me right afterwards. She was in the process of getting licensed at that point. She goes, that girl, she was amazing. What's her name? And I was like, oh, you're going to get to know her because she is fabulous. And as we build each other up and we say, hey, you're a really great CSR. I know you're really busy. What are your goals? Ask the women around us. What do you want? Right now, maybe they have twin toddlers at home and they are just exhausted. Okay. So maybe in three years, they'll be willing to go for that certification or, but we keep it 
on the radar for them. We keep it where we say, you are awesome. We want you to succeed. How can we help you to succeed? And that is by asking them, talking to them, what are your goals? How can I help you get that extra education? Rather than just doing web CE where you just you know hit, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Why not encourage them to level up in the education process so that they can go ahead and get those additional nuggets of information that they need to be able to go on out there and rock the world? And I think that that's our responsibility as leaders in our industry. Whether or not we are men or women, it is our responsibility to find people's you know, I think of it as zipper in the back of their back of them, right? I'm very visual, as you can tell. Um, I like think of it as zipper. It's our job as a leader to unzip the back of them and help them to be able to take out their wings so that they can fly. Some people zip up their wings and keep them tight, and they could be amazing flyers. But if nobody helps them to unzip that back of their of their of their pouch in the back to be able to expose their wings, and they need that encouragement and that love, maybe sometimes to do that, and maybe even the discernment to say your time is coming. Let's mentally and emotionally prepare you for when that time is right. It might not be right now, but it might be next year and it might be in three years. But you know what? I'm here because you rock. And no matter what, I want to see you succeed. And I think that's our responsibility as leaders in this industry. You know, I joined this, um, I sit on the board of my local insurance association. And one of the initiatives that they have is, you know, attracting the next gen and bringing in the younger generation and especially women. And when we sit around and try to plan these events where we say, okay, well, let's extend it to the staff of the agencies. Let's get those CSRs that just graduated or, you know, in let's show them that there's more than just this agency that they work at. You know, the owners at the top are reluctant to do that. Literally, I have heard it at least three to four times Mm -hmm. where, well, then my employees get poached. I can't lose them. They're going to get poached from other agents. And, you know, it's so limiting to think. Honestly, it's a bigger problem. That's a problem that they have, right? It's not <laughs> It's not the poaching agent. There's totally. so much I have to say right? about that. But can you That's, imagine, James? I, can you imagine yeah. that these agencies are being ran by mostly men that are sitting saying no? They're going to stay at their cubicle it, answering the phone. Is there is there a faster way to tell someone mm-hmm. I'm a bad yes. boss and I don't take good care yeah, of exactly. my people? But isn't that probably the number one reason why those people would want to exactly. leave? Yes, I mean, that's exactly discussion. right. If somebody says oh, my man. life existence is to go occupy a cubicle and take mm-hmm. care of them and make them money, that is not that's not where I want to be for the next. Well, and that's why they don't years. let them out. I don't want to right. be. In that's that why agency. they don't. They're not yeah. allowed to come. So it's 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 Circle. one of these things where Completely. right where it's like like Teresa said, you need to find out that CSR that that's that's at in your agency and ask them you know yeah. show them the opportunity of ownership we at with the two indep- uh, agencies that we owned in the past we've had two people become independent agents and we've helped them so when yeah. when when my dad hired would hire someone and one was a female one was a male and it was like listen you guys are not here for with me forever you, this is a career you're in it young learn it i will invest in you for you to have the legacy that i was able to provide for my family for yours and they've done it and they're local and we help them and we refer each other but it's one of and they were young when they got in it's one of those things where it baffled me when i came into this association to hear agency owners again, predominantly men yeah. say, 
oh, well, no, they're going to get poached. So, like, they don't take them out. And it's like, you know, the women are the ones that are running your business. You get to go golf. I'm just face palm. <laughs> you get to go golf. And all of your CSRs are the ones that are running and making you you money. So, I feel like as an agency owner, we need to highlight the career paths that they could have. Because, you know, some women or anybody may not be interested in ownership. But and they may not know because they're exactly. not going to those industry exactly. events, right? So isn't it our mm -hmm. responsibility to bring it to them and even just say, hey, you know, you can go to this organization and start this little, this certification. Mm -hmm. You could take one course, right? Even if as agency owners, we say, hey, there is no more of this. I'm here. Mm -hmm. I'm here. I'm here. Education that that is not allowed in my agency yeah. anymore. And that's what I've done this year is I've said we that is not even allowed. Like, don't even try to turn that in because it might be allowed by the state, but that's mm -hmm. not allowed by me. And we've, we've said, I've even said this year, and that's new for me. And unfortunately I've been in business 19 years because it, I didn't think that, I didn't think that I was the one who needed to set their goals for them, but as a leader, I'm not setting their goals for them. I'm encouraging them to step up in their own role, to be able to find their own voice. And I had to have a little bit of a a little bit of a mindset change on that. And unfortunately, it, it just really hit me like in the last two years. Hey, Freedom Jumper. Are you looking to take your business to the next level? Who isn't, right? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they understand the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing marketplace. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique or outlandish they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and guidance you need to see your agency succeed, Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't just survive in the competitive insurance industry. Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Get started today. Learn more at nbsbrokerage.com. I'm going to pivot real quick because I don't want this to be a 90-minute episode. Uh, people people have a certain... You have four uh, women uh, on your podcast. Limit. I don't know what I know. he was thinking. <laughs> no, because no, I, I, I hate shutting down good dialogue, I but I also know there's... There's three questions that are going to generate. There's going to generate a lot of commentary on these these next three. I'm sure. Uh, this was a topic of conversation when we were. I think it was in, at lunch in Kansas City, and I'm not. I'm not going to name drop her because I don't want it to sound like I'm bashing her because I'm definitely not. She's been a guest on this podcast, and uh, she's a colleague of mine. Uh, someone in the industry who has has a, a following and a podcast and a coaching program and whatnot has this tagline, insurance is female. And there is a certain, I don't want to say aggressive in a negative sense, but there's a certain rah, energy in her content and the messaging of, you know, insurance is female and we're just going to come in and throw elbows and fight for our place. I don't necessarily feel that vibe from a lot of the women that I know. Because one, for starters, insurance is not female because I'm insurance and I'm not female. So I feel like that's a factually incorrect statement. I don't I, I don't know what the alternative of that is, but I would love to hear from from you you five and everybody sound off on this if you can. How do we foster this attitude of collaboration, of blue ocean, of male 
plus female, plus if you're non-binary, you know, somewhere in the LGBTQ spectrum, because I have to obviously pause for just a second and acknowledge the fact that there is an element that rejects the binary gender identity. And I want to be respectful of people that believe that way uh, and just acknowledge that, yes, there is something that uh, maybe outside of a male-female dichotomy conversation, that's outside the scope of this episode. But I think I would be remiss and disrespectful to people that are living an LGBTQ lifestyle if I didn't at least acknowledge that there are people that reject the the binary of male or female. So uh, take that and set it aside. Acknowledge the validity of you know that perspective and set it aside because otherwise I will definitely get someone's like, you know, it's not just male and female and I'm not really interested in fighting that battle. That's a, that's a different thing. I don't want there to be this male versus female, female versus male thing, like that red ocean mindset of in order for the, the female demographic to flourish, the existing male majority must re- retreat or retract in some way. I don't think the five of you feel that way either. So can we discuss that? What does it mean for the female uh, representation to advance but in a collaborative and mutually beneficial way that's not taking away from existing uh, male participants. So So I don't know who you're talking about, so I can weigh in on this neutrally because I think that some of you uh, may know. I don't think, um, based on that tagline, that that's necessarily like what she means. I think she's just trying to make a a marketing play on like Mm -hmm. the future is female um, kind of thing. So... um, The only reason I even point her out is mm -hmm. there's definitely this element of us versus them, like we're oppressed and held back and we have to fight for our place. You know, we have to throw our elbows around and and take what's being withheld from us. And whether or not she intends for that to be, and maybe that's my, you know, fragile male ego that is (laughs) perceiving it in that way. Did she say that? Did she say say about taking taking back or? But I do think there is a little bit of that. I, 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 I'm, I'm not going to be shy. I do feel like I have come to on. take what's Come on with it. Right? And, and it's not a matter of saying, you know, you can't have yours too. But I do feel that as a double minority especially, right? I mean, and I think that we all have demographics that are underrepresented in some form or some fashion. But, you know, I feel as a black woman and an agency owner, I do have to stand, you know, on top of tables and beat my chest and and, you know, take opportunities and strategize around and manipulate sometimes where I might not, you know, others might not have to. But I and I'm OK with that. And I agree with Whitney in the statement that I don't think, you know, she's necessarily saying, you know, men have to to, you know, kind of, you know, diminish themselves or even, you know, that women are playing kind of this victim role. But I think it we'd be we'd be kind of foolish to think that there isn't a little bit of aggression that needs to happen like we we need to be kind of intentional i maybe it's not a great more intentional about how we function and we operate in our industry mm-hmm. and take ownership of our, our of, of the decisions that we make and, and the career moves that we make and the actions that we take so i'm all for it like i'm all for kind of this and and, and i just want to make one other point because you led the the co- topic with kind of this collaboration one of the things i was going to reference to your to your last question that i think applies here is i think first as women in our industry, we need solidarity. We need to come together and rather than talk about how we should work together, actually work together. 
So my intention is even after this podcast, after this conversation, like these are going to be my next BFFs. Like we're going to do things together, right? I don't want to be on this podcast just to say I was on a podcast and I, you know, you heard my voice and how pretty I am and whatever, whatever. Like I want to be able to say I worked with Ciara to make things happen in Florida, right? Or I worked with Whitney to bring more agency owners to the table that are female. Like it doesn't to me, this podcast is for not if we don't take advantage of the of the platform yeah. that you've established for us to do something as women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, we had this conversation, Teresa, we were sitting at a lunch table. I can't remember. Was it San Diego yeah, or San it was, Antonio? It was oh, Tampa. Tampa. Was it that Tampa oh this year? Yeah, because because when we got back from Tampa, we had yeah. we had that one recording with Aurora Mullet because it was really you know, you have to find this, this balance that is so hard to find because you have to make the opportunities. You you have to, you know, insert yourself sometimes into the conversation. Um, sometimes, you know, we're guilty of not staying in our lanes. Um, on what does that even mean? You know, that's, oh, man. that's a topic for a whole different podcast. <laughs> you yeah. said you didn't yeah. want to have a lane. I don't have a lane. My follow-up question is going to be along those lines of you know yeah. getting out of your lane and who decides what lane you're supposed to be in. Well, you know, I think Chris Paradiso's stale and pale right. and male comment. We have you know. to stay decide what lane we want to be in, and we have to do what we need to do to get into that lane. And then we have to new, do what we need to do to draft the, the next group of cars back behind us to to, to go in that lane. Um, yep. You know, but and that's hard. It's hard. You don't want to be, you know, I, we kind of got into this conversation in Tampa about male bashing. That's, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's what you're alluding to, James, mm-hmm. is, you know, yeah. that male bashing. Yep. Um, you know, it's not, I, I personally don't think that that's necessary to succeed, but that is a strategy to, you know. It is a strategy, and that's why you know we had talked about it at Tampa, and we did that podcast because you know there's it, it's just a balance. I think the reality of it too is like so I have been in this industry since I graduated high school, right? A year after, so 2002, and the industry has drastically changed in our favor, drastically. I I have worked at an Allstate that was ran, and, and I have been a little sheltered because I've been working with my dad, but. You know, so I didn't have a male boss that wasn't my dad. But just going to conferences, I've been going to conferences since 2002. There's way more women. There's women on stage. And I think that there needs to be way more. There's not enough. And just like even like the IOA Facebook groups, right? The main group has almost what, like 9,000 members. And we have 800 in the women. So there's a huge discrepancy in the amount of women versus the men but i think i think that the collaboration spirit i i personally like vonda says the 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 man versus the woman thing is it's i don't find it necessary because i may not see it change 100 percent the way it should change in my lifetime so i think that men that are at the top that are need to open up the space and they need to be the ones to be willing to collaborate and let us in and and give us the platform to help the women that are following us right i i'm 38 so i hopefully by the time i'm 70 there it's going to be even more drastically changed in my in the woman in in favor of women by that time but i think that um this is a career that anyone can win at woman man it doesn't matter anyone can win at it 
and we should make the path available to the ones that are hungry and that want it. So, so I, I pose a, a, a question though. So to your point, right? Referencing, you know, the men are the ones that need to kind of create these opportunities, but I almost challenge that in saying, do we have to wait on them? Right. Do we have to wait on, cause I think there's an opportunity yeah. for us to, you know, and I get it. You know, most men own insurance agencies and, and have that power and influence. But in our small collective, right, if we pull our resources together, if we start to function as a unit, as women agency owners, can we create our own opportunities? Right. Can we can can we create, you know, those those avenues or lanes in which we, we want to lead? And, and I think that, that was actually my my question. The next one that I posed was how do uh, and I can't say we because I'm I'm not a female. How how does the female population in our industry find that path to assert your will mm-hmm. to 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 find that balance? And I think you're absolutely right. There is certainly a bit of a balance because if you go too far on the assertive side of things, one other females will be like, "What the hell is wrong with you? You know, get back in your lane," and or or you know. Don't stray so far out of the of the lane that you make people really uncomfortable. And then to again reflect on the fragile male ego, if somebody comes out swinging hard and they're just really really assertive, the the male you know population is going to be uncomfortable in a big way. And then you start being called unkind names that I'm not going to use here that every female is familiar with when they're perceived as being too assertive. Where is the balance? Because I I don't know Ungozi very well. We literally just met face-to-face today. The other four ladies on here, I feel pretty confident in saying that you would say you're an assertive, take-charge kind of woman who doesn't wait for things to happen. You make things happen. You tell the world, this is what I want. This is what I'm going to do. And then you do it. I, I can say that with confidence for four out of the five of you. So... I'd love some reflection on exactly how that happens because, you know, Ngozi said it just a second ago, you don't have to, to advance your objectives at the cost of someone else's objectives because as we've all seen, the industry is expanding and there are more opportunities being created every single month and quarter and year. So there's, there's plenty of pie for everybody to get theirs. So how do we go about doing there I, I said we again. Sorry. How does the female? I'm so used to the word we. I'm sorry. Uh, how how does the the female population go about that assertiveness in a healthy way that doesn't end up being counterproductive? I think we need to stop being embarrassed about the word we. I mean, I get why you're trying not to use it, but at the same time, why can't it just be we? You know. Why do we have to fight so hard to to break out of our lane? And you know, and and I, I I'm not 38 anymore. Um, <laughs> I don't even put the blinker on anymore to change my lanes. Um, there's it's it's just if that's my lane, I'm going for it. Uh, and I wouldn't have done that necessarily at age 38. Um, so I, I think there have been a lot of, of allowances on that. But I think that's what we've got to get to is we've got to get to the fact that we want to be accepted as that we. You know, when we're talking we, we want to be a part of that and not, not you know, that we're still trying to fight to get into this even, industry. 
you know, we're here. Go ahead. Well, so much of it's uh, so much of it is a mental mental space, and and I know I've talked to Vonda and Ciara about this a couple times that we need to be in a mental space where, you know, if I want to be a great insurance agent, what am I going to do? I'm going to go get the education, right? If I want to be, if I want to have be in a financial position to where I can blank, I'm going to do what it takes to get there. I think that's what we we all of us, men, women, everybody, every generation, every every race, every color, every whatever. I don't really everything. We have to surround ourselves by the people who will help us get where we want to go so that when we say this is my space, that we can step up and that because I think those other people, honestly, in my opinion, are going to be left in the dust who don't grow, who mm-hmm. don't, who don't evolve with us. Because yep. if 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 I am working at a place that doesn't encourage my ability to grow, I don't need to be there. And who's fault is it that if I'm there in 20 years, is it the person who held me back or is it the person who didn't choose to do something different? It's, it's me, the person who didn't choose to do something different. It starts with me. I have to say, just like Ngozi was saying, yes, it's your voice. It's your, it's your ability to take that. um, I'm not going to use the word control, but it's the the opportunity to take that voice, that leadership role to be able to step up and take what we want. But it's also in a space that none of us want to we're all here because we want to create a community and be a part of that community. And it doesn't mean stepping on people or over people. It means stepping in the spaces that are ours originally. We get what we want, what we deserve, who we are, because it's our rightful place on, you know, where we are. But I don't need to wait for somebody to go give it to me. I don't need to ask politely for it and wait my turn. If it doesn't work for me, then I need to go find a position with an agency or with a corporation that will help me to be able to achieve those goals. And I think it starts with me. That's where it starts. Number two, it starts with people finding those right people and empowering them to be able to be in those positions where they can grow and encouraging them to be able to step up. To me, that's the very beginning of it is it starts with me and it starts with everybody around me that I need to surround myself with the right people to get me where I want to go. If I'm you know, moving forward in this industry. Ngozi said something very interesting uh, a, a few minutes ago of asking these uh, these people who are coming up, what do you want? Where do you see yourself? Like, what, what do you envision for your career? Do you want to be an agency owner at some point? The, the principal or a print, you know, a, an executive and an agency? And then helping them facilitate that. Now, I think... It requires activity in a lot of different ways. And uh, Vonda, I got to say, it's it's profound what you said with the whole we comment, uh, because I then in that moment, um, you may have seen it on my face. I had a moment there for a second. I was like, that, my definition of we just evolved. And uh, not to uh, chase another rabbit, but uh, this is one thing where the LGBTQ community has done an absolutely phenomenal job of creating a sense of community because there's a lot of people that would consider themselves an advocate or an ally where they themselves would never personally identify in anything in one of those ways. There's no otherizing or very, very little otherizing in that, that community. And I think applying that same kind of logic to this conversation, yes, I'm not, I will never be female. But I can definitely consider myself an advocate and an ally of the female spirit, even though I myself am never going to be female. 
sorry, I don't mean to chase rabbits. I know the well, whole LGBTQ thing is controversial. Another another topic for a podcast because I I look at that as well, and I understand that there's an the LGBT you know community, but at the same time, because that's within my family that I have, you know, that members of that group in my immediate family, I just look at them as family, you know, and it's not, it's, it's just another label that we, you know, we're yeah. so good at labeling in this country. Um, and I wish we could stop putting so many labels on things and, and, and just look at the fact that, you know, it's, now, it's we. The, the definition of we needs to be a little more inclusive. I, I love what you said there. Uh, and I think the, that, that definition, expanding to uh, we, to be inclusive of advocates and allies, uh, people who aren't necessarily female, the associations at a state and local level, uh, the communities within alliances, you know, master agencies and local groups, IAOA and other organic manufactured networking organizations, uh, people that have a platform like Ngozi and what she's doing in the black community uh, to to stir up interest in helping people find their place in the industry. I think there's a lot of different ways to, you know, come together to create opportunity. It was like if somebody raises their hand and say, yeah, I'd like to own an agency someday. Okay, cool. Well, here's a blueprint we created. Here's the path to owning an agency. Here's the 12 things that you need to be aware of as an agency owner that you should be taking care of, you know, sales and marketing, operations, HR, legal compliance, blah, da, 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 all the things. And then, cool. Well, how do we help you get there? Well, first, you should probably understand the industry. Do you see yourself more on the service side or, or the operations or sales? Oh, sales. Well, cool. Well, Here's how you be, you know, an insurance salesperson. And after you've done that for a few years and you really understand everything, cool. Well, now take the next step. Uh, I Obviously, this is just spitballing, but I think there's so many different ways of helping people find more of what they want. And Gozi, you were going to say something. Well, I was going to let Whitney have a turn because I, I see her kind of <laughs> jumping in a little Sorry, bit. Sorry, Whitney. So wanted- I'm not very yeah. good at passing the mic around to everybody. I apologize. Oh, we can't hear you. You're, you're muted, Whitney. Did your did your AirPods run out of juice? Nope, still can't hear you. Okay, I tried, Whitney. <laughs> I tried. Well, dang! Now I feel um, bad. Did did we miss something from Whitney? We we probably did some yeah. good nuggets. So Goodness. Her, Which her one of us is better at lip reading? <laughs> okay. Get a, get a whiteboard and start writing. <laughs> <laughs> but but I do think I still I mean, can't hear you about, I'm sorry Whitney if we're talking about diversity and we're talking about gender diversity and in and, and the identity of the spectrum and even in our conversation around male versus male female excuse me but I do you know I hear you Vonda around labels and in, in the cohesive we but I think labels matter also for people to recognize and appreciate right like to identify something by what it is, um, you know, and it allows people to create awareness. 
Um, I'm a big proponent of kind of eliminating this conversation around colorblind, right? When we talk about race, mm-hmm. because you need to see me as black. You need to identify me as black because that's who I am. And then once you do that, you can appreciate, hopefully, right? The contributions, the attributes that make me black or that come with my blackness. So I think also, you know, this kind of lends, um, lends to the kind of the conversation we we're having before around females, right? What does that mean? I'm, Is that you? Sorry, that was me back? talking to Whitney. I'm. Oh, I'm not. Oh, oh. I'm sorry. Oh, okay, that's. I didn't mean to take you off track there, and goes. I apologize. No, and, I didn't know. All I, five I, of you I, can I, see my thumbs up. I don't. I, uh, sometimes I, I forget what I'm doing. Gozi, I, I totally believe that as well. I mean, I don't. I'm not for just getting rid of all the labels. I do think they need to see us as strong females, as strong black females, as strong, you know, whatever. Um, I just feel like it, it, we, it can become a crutch to the point where we, we try to pull it out of, out of integration that, you know, into the conversation that, that we get to the point where we get it too far out. Right. right. But isn't that, isn't that kind of, and I don't mean to backtrack on any other conversation is that the branding that we were talking about earlier about the insurance is female. Isn't that kind of like we were talking about something for something to rally behind. I think it's a rally cry. I don't think it's a exclusivity cry. I don't think it's a separation cry specifically. And I think that's what resonates with a lot of people is that like Ngozi's talking about, it's a rallying of loving the differences and, and of, and of encouraging people to be able to step up and speak up. And, um, that's what I, I would hope it is in that way to be able to, to, to pull out maybe some people to be able to, to celebrate them it may be a space that they want to be recognized and pulled out and celebrated within that space. For me, I feel, I, I agree with that. Uh, I feel like, for example, I'm going to use Vonda as an example, because I was talking to Jason Cass after brain share. And this is why for me, it's, I'm, I'm here to learn and grow my business from women and men. All anybody above me, I'm learning from. So I told Jason Cass when we were, speaking about brain share. And I said, listen, the the way the seating arrangement was done there, right? The largest agencies in the room were what tables 15 to 18, let's say. And I said, there was one agency owner there. And it was Vonda. So if I was going to limit my growth to only learning from women or, or, you know, I'm I'm all for that and I'm here. That's why I joined this association and I'm on the next gen thing because I'm I want to pave the way for the ones that are coming and I need to learn from the ones that are way ahead of me, like all of you. <laughs> but the reality of it is is that there's not enough Vondas at the top mm-hmm. for me to learn from. So for me to learn professionally, if 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 I mean, it is what it is, you know, and that's what we're here to change. I hope that the five women here are going to change it for when some the ones that are coming after me are my age. They're learning from all the women and it's not predominantly men. But Vonda was the only agency owner sitting on those. What I, don't, I, I didn't see specifically at the big, at tables. The big tables. I mean, and it was the top the top the three top tables. Three. Yeah. I, I noticed that as well, because we had already scheduled this conversation. We would already had this planned when we're sitting there at Brainshare and I was already thinking along the line, I'm just counting, you know, people in the room. It's like, how many people in this room are female? Not just agency principals, but just people. Wasn't that many, no. unfortunately. Uh, Whitney, I think we can hear you Am now, I right? Back? 
Yes. <laughs> you are back. Rapid. All right. Hand you the mic, lady. Do your thing. Like March of 2020, when everybody's like, <laughs> figuring out all the Zoom stuff at the same time. I swear, guys, I have been <laughs> like, okay, Boomer, Whitney, you can go now. <laughs> Little PTSD over here, right? Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'll just throw in there a few things that I've got stockpiled to say. Um, oh, gosh. It, it, Ten minutes yeah, of Whitney so now. Go. This will be brief. <laughs> the, you know, these all kind of tie together. But we've talked a lot about representation, and I think that that's the most important thing. And a lot of times that takes somebody, um, a, a carrier, an organization, an individual, who usually it's not their fight. And they're the one that is saying, hey, let me make room at the table for you because I value that you are different because you bring something else to the table. There is, and I would really appreciate it if you, I'll email you guys if you don't Google it as soon as we hang up, but there is a beautiful image of the first woman that ran the Boston Marathon and she's running the Boston Marathon. She's doing her thing. She got to register. She used just her first initial. She didn't put her first full name on there and there was no like black and white rule, but women had never run the Boston Marathon. And one of the people that was in charge of it chased her down and was trying to rip her bib, her race bib off because she dared to be a woman running a marathon. And there's this beautiful picture of her boyfriend, who's this big football player guy running with her, shoving him to the ground. And it's amazing. It like takes my breath away because to me, when you talk about, you know, what, is, what do we need from, from allies, from supporters, from advocates who aren't the women themselves, we need people, big, strong people to push people out of the way who are wrong, who are wrong on principle. So I had a, a much smaller degree experience of this. And I give a shout out to, to Safeco. They were the first carrier to invite me to be on one of these constituent calls to give feedback back to the carrier about how they can do their job better. And when I first joined the call, it was also my first experience with feeling like, oh, you put me on this call because I'm your female millennial. I check a lot of boxes. I'm racially ambiguous. You maybe don't really know what I am. And that's the only reason why I'm invited to the party. And at first that felt like the invite was less valuable to me at first. Like that's the only reason that I got invited here. Well, then they asked me to join the council and fast forward a few years. Now I'm the vice president of the Southeastern region of the same council. And when you look at what that group looks like, they, you know, look, there were women on that board before, but the times are changing and what people see, what my daughter is going to see when she looks at it is going to be different. So I feel quite proud and I actually deliberately if you do look at my stuff on social media, I make a big deal when I can post a picture and it's me running a panel with a bunch of men in an insurance industry. I think that that's important for people that want to come work for me to see that that could be them. And Sierra, you put you touched on something about how you know you you don't have enough Vondas. I had the same experience. I was feeling a little, a little salty about like where is my mentor? Where is my person who has all of the experience? that I feel like I can relate to that's like me and she's not there. I can't find her. And I was, you know, feeling a little salty, a little grumbly. And I had this big, you know, eye opening comment of a friend of mine and she was talking about it. And she's like, Whitney, you need to pass the baton. You need to get the information from the people that aren't like you. You need to have all the lunches you can with those old white dudes in your community here <laughs> in your, in your industry. And you need to learn because they are the ones that have had the experience. You need to learn it and you need to pass that down. Um, so what we can do strategically is when we get the opportunity to be on a stage, to be positioned and visually 
represented, we need to say yes to these things, even when it's not convenient. And that can feel exhausting. That can feel like, like a burden, but I'll have you know, check my LinkedIn. Jake from State Farm is not the only one hanging out with football players. <laughs> this week, I was hanging out with a football player and the president of the Jaguars um, on another one of these web shows. So those are the things that, that I think we as women in insurance, women insurance agency owners, are tangible, actionable things that we can do starting right now. You know, we're already doing a lot of it, but continuing doing um, that are going to make the impacts. In in the interest of time, I am going to pivot to the last question uh, because I know we are officially running past uh, the time that I requested <laughs> of you, and I do want to respect your time as well as our panelists here. Uh, Whitney, 100% agree with what you just said, and it was very cool to see you get that kind of exposure with people that I know are a very big deal in your in your market there in Florida. So props to you for that. That I, I watched basically that whole uh, bar bar conversation when uh, the whatever his name Tommy is I can't Bannis, think of it when yeah. you guys were at the bar top. Yeah, that was that was really good stuff. Here you can laugh. You should um, be worried about us, Florida agents, if we're not drinking in the middle of the day right now with all of our market <laughs> issues. Yeah. No, that's the truth. <laughs> Now, Whitney, I definitely want to have you on uh, a solo episode for sure, and, and Teresa and Vonda as well, you know, at uh, at a later date for sure. Uh, last question goes to Ngozi and uh, Ciara here, and um, really, it's just an open-ended thing. Uh, Ngozi said it just a little bit ago with using the term double minority, which definitely applies. Uh, how can can we advance this conversation to increase representation, increase penetration into these, um, you know, demographics that are definitely underrepresented in our industry, but underrepresented just across the board. Like you know, a lot of these people uh, in, in, you know, potentially lower socioeconomic classes or even just culturally where something that, you know, insurance culturally isn't really talked about, you know, good finan personal financial practices uh, in, in a lot of subsectors of our society just aren't openly discussed. Uh, there's some stigma, there's a lack of understanding, there may be some individualized, uh, you know, shame that individual people don't even know how to start having these conversations or get smart about it, not just from a working at an agency or be an agency owner, but even to engage in the process of insurance and risk management. Uh, Open-ended for both of you. Uh, Ngozi, I'll let you go first. Uh, and then, Ciara, you can wrap us up and we'll end this thing. What does it look like to engage in your constituents uh, in, a, in a productive manner? Well, so first, it, it's about educating, right? And I, what I mean by that, I'm going to be a little flip here, is that I, I, people need to understand the stats, right? Because Black people make up anywhere from 20 to 13 percent. 12 to 13 percent of the the American population. You look at this U.S. Census Bureau. We make up 12 to 14 percent of the the insurance industry in the U.S. Right. So underrepresentation. You know, I hear people. Right. But we are represented at we are represented in the insurance industry just as much as we're represented in the U.S. Census Bureau. The issue is where we're represented at. Right. And we talked about CSRs and things like that. We know that there's more black women in the insurance industry than black men. However, black women sit in CSR operational administrative position. Black men sit in more, you know, positions of power. And so 
we have to understand where we are, but not only from where we are as far as the stats, but also where we are as far as our contributions. So a lot of people don't understand and realize that Black people have contributed to the insurance industry as we know it now in the U.S. since the beginning of the U.S., right? So when we talk about the slave trade, right, Lloyd's just published about a year, a year and a half ago, kind of recognizing their contribution to the slave trade and how they played a part in that. We have the Hartford Aetna Life um, who played a part in Black Wall Street, right, and ensuring those those business owners. So, if you, when you think about the contributions that Black people have, pay, you know, um, contributed to the insurance industry in the U.S., they're huge, right? And part of our, those contributions around the thirty to forty Black-owned insurance companies that existed in the nineteen twenties and nineteen thirties are things that people don't know about. So, when you say, you know, how do we get our community to to you know, increase their awareness around not only insurance as a product, but insurance as an industry, we have to educate them. We have to educate them about those contributions and make that resonate with them that insurance is not foreign to us, right? We've been in this insurance game way before it became a game, right? Right before it became what it is today. And when we talk about the policies and the history, you know, I, I do a lot of teaching to high school students and to um, college grads at HBCUs. And I educate them about those contributions so they understand that they are continuing the legacy. And that's how I get their buy-in. I also help them understand that the tools around wealth generation are things like Nipsey Hussle. Anyone know, know who Nipsey Hussle is? He's a rapper who rapped about the $1 million life insurance policy he had on his back. We got Sierra and Russell Wilson and Russell Westbrook who have started a company called Evolution Partners, right? So they're in the insurance It's not this one, too. guys. Sorry. So <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's not me. <laughs> you mean you're not giving us your well, one, I mean, two I step? I will if you want to, but it's not the one. It's not the paid one. <laughs> it might not be the one you want to see. Right. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> um, I love it when you one, two steps, Sierra. Right, right. <laughs> Um, but I just think we have to make it real for, for different cultures, right? Make it resonate in, in those those areas that are important to them. And that's what I try to do. I try to make bring it home so that they know that insurance is just not something that you have to buy because you want to drive your car. It is something that will change generations, wealth, right? If you're a business, like, you know, and I tell my insurance company partners too, that you got to think about when you approach the Black community or Black agents, culturally, we operate just a little differently. So appreciating those differences, and that's where I go back to the labels and recognizing that I'm a Black Asian, because you have to recognize that culturally speaking, right, I engage my community differently. And as an insurance carrier that I partner with and have an appointment with, I need your products, your services, and the way you engage me to be different in appreciation of that, right? So all that is like a whole like platform that I'm on. I've done different initiatives around that, but I think that's key to how we kind of uh, close the gap as it relates to being not only, you know, um, you know, being diverse in, in whatever demographic that, that we, we sit in or stand in um, as agents. Uh, so for my, um, from my perspective, you know, living in South Florida, um, I, I'm really not a minority in reality. I mean, you're in Miami and if you don't speak Spanish, you're the minority in actuality. So it's, it's definitely easier for me as a business owner and even some of the networking groups that we joined, they're ran in Spanish. And a lot of them have, um, you know, business connections to places like South America, where there's people of wealth that are coming into the States and most of them come through Florida and they're, they're moving their businesses here. They're migrating here and the insurance 
piece of it is difficult because they don't have insurance in their countries or if they do it's it's usually a scam it's not something that they trust fully so what we've tried to do is also it 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 all stems from education really any business owner whether foreign or not you know they need to be educated on why this cost this line item in their business is worth it and it's an investment because if that day does come where you need it i mean it's either your business survives or it doesn't so um for us we've been able to create some partnerships within our our community we're close by to a community called weston that is heavily heavily populated by a lot of venezuelan business owners that come here and they have wealth in their country and they bring it here and so we've you know partnered with some attorneys and some business brokers that help those transitions be smooth and the hispanic culture does a lot on trust so you know if they if that one business you know consultant or business broker that helps them come to the states and bring everything you know has these partners and this is who he trusts they trust us uh you know but we 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 value that trust as you know my dad came here when he was 14 from cuba so he's he's did a career change at 49 years old left corporate america left a great job to do this so he he knows what that transition is like even later in life so we we take that responsibility serious in educating and you know helping them thrive when they come here you know love that that is precisely the two answers that i was hoping for uh to end this thing so uh ngozi and, and cr thank you for sharing from the heart there i know that's very close uh, to both of you and the other three ladies, Vonda, Teresa, Whitney, uh, even with your, uh, your mute actions there, you still definitely the, the were, 10 uh, minutes were worth it. We're, Whitney. we're, we're swinging hard. <laughs> yeah. I, I love yeah. that. Uh, you had that for sure. Uh, ladies, uh, we, <laughs> this is going to be the longest James, episode by like, you know, 30 what? Minutes. thank you for hosting us and yes. giving us a platform yes. and yes. introducing us to Ngozi as well. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I, well, so, so can I just say something? Like I'm taking notes, and I'm like, I don't know half the things they're referring to, but I'm gonna to find to out. Like, I don't even know what IOA yep. oh, is, and I don't even know what oh. brain share or whatever. And the mm -hmm. names you were dropping, I was like, okay, yo, we're gonna have to do yep. that. Too. Yep. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. No, there will definitely be a solo episode. Um, Ciara, I mean, you've already had at no. least one. I'm not worried about you. You're going to get no. yours. Uh, but every, everybody yeah. else is going to have a solo episode because I'm sitting here because my team, we, we take walks uh, around their office complex and they said, crap, you blocked 90 minutes on your calendar for this thing? I was like, I don't know how long it's going to go. I've got, I've got a podcast interview with five ladies and all of them are good at talking. <laughs> Uh, and and here we are bumping up two minutes away from the end of the ninety minutes I blocked for this. Um, wisdom, so. wisdom, right there. You knew exactly, right? You were like, you dug it, you knew it, you embraced it, you made well, it. I mean, you just gotta make the intro about, shorter. Right make the intro shorter. The only thing I'm gonna say, <laughs> you don't get and to honest talk. to God, so here, here's the intro. When this drop, and this will drop a week from Friday. Um, yeah, a week from Friday, this will drop. My intro is. All right, y'all. This is a long one. It's worth every second. Don't you dare quit listening to this early on. You better listen to every minute of this because it's all Bye. good. And I'm going I'm to shut up and hit the bumper and let's go to the interviews because y'all don't need me talking on the front end of this thing because it's already long. So um, suffice it to say, yes, I am the, the stereotype dem uh, demographic. I am a upper middle class Protestant white male. I get that. 
That being said, absolutely have an ally. And after today, Vonda, dadgummit, I'm part of we. Uh, there's, a, there's a few voices that I know that are actively doing their part to promote uh, the female voice in the industry and making sure that we can continue moving the needle in a very positive direction. Uh, and I think everybody wins when that happens. So thank you, ladies, for giving me uh, 90 of your minutes. Hopefully it was worthwhile. And I look forward to continuing the conversation with each of you individually. And that's really all there is to it, folks. This has been episode 55 of the Agency Freedom Podcast. Y'all make it a great day. We'll talk to you later. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Agency Freedom Podcast. Please subscribe to AFP on your favorite platform to get automatic updates with every new episode and help other people find us. If you like what you hear, please drop us a review and tell the world what you like best. Most importantly, please share AFP with someone you know who is still in captivity. They'll thank you later. Visit our website at agencyfreedom.com to get access to exclusive content and announcements. Join our community on Facebook by typing in Agency Freedom in the search bar. Send your questions, comments, guest recommendations, and favorite grilling recipes to us at podcast at agencyfreedom.com. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. Until next time, let's go.